All right, guys, well, as we continue to worship this morning, I'm so excited and never want to miss the opportunity when we have members of our family that are part of the International Mission Board. Um, You guys remember the Belmores. We, about 10 months ago, or a little bit longer than that, they were here with us, and we were able to pray over them, hear about where they were headed. Um, And so they're in London, England, and we're going to get a little update here in a moment. But um, we never want to miss an opportunity to be able to celebrate what God is doing among the nations. Um, I know that there's some even in the room. I know Bo Rice right there, one of our interim pastors, he had the chance to go over and partner with them, uh, leading a a team from the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful for those partnerships and those opportunities. And so um, Scott and Dana and Ruthie, welcome back. It is so great to have you guys. Give us a little bit of like an update on just how you guys have seen God at work over these first 10 months over over in London, England. Yeah. So, Chad, when people ask me that question, um, this has been my normal response over these past uh, couple months. We're good. It's been fun. Trying, exciting, challenging, energetic, exhausting, encouraging, and even a letdown but God. And that's, that's what we have to say. But God has been faithful throughout all of the 10 months that we've been on the field. We've seen him answer prayers for our family. We've seen him provide a church for us as a family that, uh, that has a student program for our daughter while she's there for two years with us. Um, we've seen him uh, provide a community within our team Um, and give us uh, immediate friends as we arrived onto the field. Um, We've seen him just provide for our family and the house that we have uh, and the neighbors that we get to share with, share our life with. Um, And he's even provided a ministry opportunity for us at um, Brunel University. And um, man, we get to to work with with rugby players and... um, Man, it's just been a, it's been a great time. We've seen five students uh, come to Christ in the time that we've been there, which has been really amazing. I mean, New Orleans Seminary has something uh, to do with with some of that and the impact that they've made uh, when they came and served with us. You guys have had an impact in that because uh, in the beginning, uh, you provided Starbucks gift cards for us to have those gospel conversations with students at Starbucks so that we can sit down with them and hear their story, they hear our story, but ultimately they get to hear God's story. Amen. And it's just been really neat to see how God has just been faithful uh, through these times. I had a meeting with the COO at, um, of the rugby team there. They have a professional team and they also have a, uh, an academy team that's at the university and the academy team is working up to go professionally. And so the professional team has a, has a, um, uh, a chaplain, but then he's come to me and he said, hey, so which one of these are your boys? Because he always sees me at the games. And I said, well, none of them are my boys, but several of them are my boys. <laughs> because we have 17 of them that come to Bible study with us on a Thursday night. Yeah. And he says, you know, that's interesting. We have a chaplain for our professional team, but we don't have one for the academy team. I'd love to sit down and talk with you about an opportunity to chaplain our rugby team. And so it's just been neat to see how God has orchestrated and gone ahead of us uh, and made things happen before we even arrived. And the other thing is that we have uh, the power of prayer uh, from churches just like yourself um, that we get to stand upon uh, that helps keep us uh, going. Like you guys are our backbone. And so I just want to say 
uh, thank you uh, for what you do. Even this week, you know, being here, you guys have helped provide uh, a rental vehicle for us as we've uh, been in here for our son's wedding. We're going to Hattiesburg to look at university for our daughter while we're here to make that happen before she graduates next year. So, Chad, yeah, thanks. I yeah, appreciate man. this opportunity. Well, and thank you, First Baptist. Uh, like you just said, I mean, those those gift cards, just because you give on a regular basis, that allows us to be able to buy gift cards, to be able to see the gospel go forward in London, England. And then um, and this, you know, it's a, what a fitting weekend, right? Mother's Day weekend uh, for her, their, their oldest son, Andrew, uh, got married yesterday. And so they are like wedding exhausted, but they're here. And, um, and so, so grateful for you guys. Congratulations on that. But First Baptist, you provided a rental vehicle for them this week while they're back over here, because this wasn't one of those scheduled trips uh, when the IMB sends you back and things like that. This was one that they just had to make happen. And so you helped make that happen. So thank you for doing that. Well, as we pray for you, is there anything specific right now that uh, you would like for us to, to remember in prayer right now? So uh, we have a, a year-long uh, time to get our license. Um, and so that time is fastly approaching. Uh, they, they say it takes about five uh, times to pass your actual driving test before you pass. Um, and so I haven't, I haven't attempted it once yet. And so I'm hoping, uh, that's, that's a prayer need because yeah. without the vehicle, it's difficult to, to kind of get through and do some of the things that we need for ministry. Um, again, for Ruthius, as we look at, uh, William Carey in Hattiesburg, but then, you know, just pray for a couple of students. Uh, Aram is a, uh, I'll just call him a, how's that? Even though I just said his name, a is a, a student that we've been working with. Um, he comes from a, uh, Pakistani background, and uh, he's right at the cusp of wanting to give his life to Christ, but he knows the cost um, of what it would take yeah. uh, with his family. And so he's just fighting that inward battle of what needs to happen. Michael's another one. He's, he's more scientific in, in his thinking, and so we've been working with him for the past 10 months as well just to try to really pour into him. And these guys, are we're meeting weekly to spend time in the Word and and just having honest conversations about the Bible and Jesus and about Christianity. And so it's just been really neat to, to see. So those would be some of the guys um, that I would ask you to pray for. Absolutely. And uh, other things. Well, and that's one of the strategic elements of where they are. You say, man, you know, are, are there Christians in, in London and, and things like that? The nations are, are coming to, to London, England in order to get education from countries all over the world. And so them engaging in the university context, rugby, through sports and through uh, campus ministry, that positions them to be able to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. So that then as these return to their nations, they go with the hope of Christ. And so anyway, we're, we're so thankful for you guys. Thank you for the, uh, for counting the cost and following Christ um, to, to go and to live on the other side of the, of the ocean. So we're so grateful for you. And just to echo what you said, like 18,000 students at the university that we're serving at, uh, 8,000 of them are international students. Wow. So, I mean, they're all there. It's just a matter of getting a hold of them with the gospel message and sending them back to their, their countries with it, with yeah. changed hearts. And, and, and brothers and sisters, that's our opportunity right here as well. That's why international student ministry is so, so important. And why we have to keep that in front of us, even here in New Orleans as well, because it's the same strategy. I mean, it's the same reality of people coming from all over the world and, and us making the most of that opportunity. Well, let me pray for you guys. And again, thank you all so much for, for worshiping you. with us on this Mother's Day weekend. God, I'm so grateful for the Belmores and for the joy of watching them for so many years walk humbly with you, Lord, um, to invest in student after student, Father, throughout um, 
throughout South Louisiana at ULL and then up in uh, Alaska and now, Father, in Europe. And so we are just so grateful for the calling that you have on their life and for their role in the International Mission Board. God, we do pray for these two students and so many others, God, that are contemplating and, and considering the gospel. Lord, would you please show them that you are worth everything, um, Father, and give them the gift of life. And Father, may that gift then be um, something that they that go share, Father, back in countries like Pakistan and other Central Asian nations, Father. So we just pray, thanking you for this couple. Thank you for uh, Scott's honesty, just that it is a real pendulum swing of emotions, Father, um, to, to be engaged in this work. And so, Lord, in those difficult times, may they return to Psalm 23, as we'll look at today, um, that the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And so may they just be encouraged and comforted again and again and again by the truth of your perfect shepherding ability in our lives. Um, so, Father, bless them um, as they explore colleges. Your will be done for Ruthie. We're so thankful for her and just pray that she would be a woman who continues to grow in grace and in truth. And, Father, that you would bless those college years in her life and this senior year as she enters it. Um, again, God, we thank you so much for the opportunity for them to be there. And specifically, we just ask for them to be able to pass uh, this license requirement, Father, for that to go smoothly. And, Father, for them to get what they need to remain there. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're thankful for you guys. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, please. It is such a, a joy, and we never want to miss these opportunities to celebrate what God is doing among the nations um, and to remember folks in prayer. Um, but also, as we're going to be diving into, if you want to open in God's Word to Psalm 23, we're beginning today a series um, where we're going to be looking at multiple psalms over a four-week period, and we're just going to be spending some extended time together in our Sunday morning time in prayer. And so the sermon this morning will be a little bit shorter uh, than usual. No applause, okay? Like, I don't want to see any of that. Um, but but, it, but but it's going to be a time for us to then turn into prayer. And so there's going to be uh, a time where these steps will be open, uh, where we just want to encourage you to come and to pray or just to make your seat uh, this morning a, a space, uh, a sanctuary where you really enter into God's presence and spend time in prayer in light of his word. Um, I'm also keenly aware, and even as we begin this time, I want to pray just a, an opening prayer uh, for this time. But, but over, for, over for you, we, we celebrate Mother's Day, and we recognize that this is a wonderful time of remembering and giving thanks for, for, for godly mothers and for the gift of mothers and all those things. But, but it's also a time that we need to acknowledge that this can be a really hard day. And this may be a hard day for some of you that are in this room right now. Um, it can be hard because you've lost your mother. Um, yesterday, I was part of a, of a service honoring um, a dear saint that would sit right here, uh, Miss Shirley Williams, um, and just just remembering her and knowing that you know that families even today are, are grieving the loss of a mom. Um, for others in the room, uh, your relationship with your mom was not what you would have hoped. Um, it was a difficult relationship, or maybe it was broken, and maybe um, maybe you 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 were separated from your mom um, in some way. And then for for others, today is difficult because you desire to be a mother, but that has not been something that has happened in your life, and so it's it's just difficult um, this day being a reminder of those things. So uh, whether it's any of those complicating um, issues, circumstances, or something else, I just want you to know that you are seen and loved today. Um, that that. The, the Father who created all of us and redeemed us through the blood of His Son, He loves you. 
and he sees you, and today through his word, he, he desires to perfectly shepherd you. And so I just want to pray for, for you today um, as we begin this time in Psalm 23. Father, today I pray for those that are grieving the loss of a mother or are grieving the loss of a relationship with a mother, um, either in adulthood because it's been severed or maybe in childhood it wasn't what it should have been. Um, or for those mothers that are, for those ladies today that are grieving because they desire to be a mother, but that is not something that you have, you have allowed at this point in their life. And so, Lord, please, we know that you see the brokenhearted. You see those that are grieving, those who are in need. And Lord, you, you mend hearts. It's what you can do. You have access to us and in us in a way that we don't. And so, Lord, please, would you reach in with your loving hands, with your loving presence, God, and comfort the hearts of those that are grieving today for whatever reason. And so, Lord, it's with that ground of, of recognizing that in all of life, there's a complexity of seasons, that, that even on one day where we're celebrating one thing, we're also grieving another, um, that that's exactly how your word meets us. And it meets us here today in Psalm 23. So Lord, today, would you speak with power? And then Father, by your grace, would you lead us into your presence to worship you in light of your word and to pray scripture-fed prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. And so what I want to do is invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We always stand to honor God. We're acknowledging, even by our posture, that this is God who is speaking to us in this moment. It's not just Chad and Chad's thoughts, but it's the God who loves us and created us and sustains us that speaks, that speaks to us in a very real way through his living word. And so hear God speak to you today. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. God, thank you for your word. Please shepherd us today according to your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, today, my hope is that we will more and more enter into the space of prayer as a church, but where we're praying scripture-fed prayers. Um, one of the, the realities that, that I was kind of asleep to for many years was how my Bible reading and prayer time were not at odds. Um, what I would often do is really segment the two where I would try to do Bible reading time and then close my Bible and then enter into prayer time where I would then begin to pray. Full disclosure, prayer time was often very challenging for me. I think I've got a, a, like a little bit of ADD thinking or mind, you know, where my mind begins to just wonder and connect dots that really aren't there, you know. And so like one thought I think about my mom and then I think about 
you know, what, when I was there last. And then, and then I think about what we ate last time. And then I think about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. And then I think about that meeting that I'm looking forward to. And then all of a sudden I'm like, how did I get here in my thoughts? Anybody else, you know, full disclosure, um, you know, like where sometimes you're like, man, my mind is just, you know, gone seven levels away from where I was in this moment of prayer. And now I'm thinking about what I want to order at a restaurant, you know, and I was praying for my mom, you know, so like, how did I get there? Um, what I realized was that God in his grace as a loving father um, recognized maybe the tendency of his children at times for our minds and our hearts to wander. But even more severe than that, he's aware that our hearts and minds tend to despair, that, that we can very quickly lose sight and lose orientation. You ever been that place where you've been maybe out in the woods and, and you're going along and, you, and you're seeing the path and then you're not seeing the path and then you're thinking you're seeing the path. And then there's this moment. Have you ever been there? That, that moment where all of a sudden it hits you. I mean, it's this, I mean, visceral response where you're like, I'm, lo I'm lost. I mean, and it's an, in an instant. You went from pretty sure you knew where you were, pretty sure you, this was still the path, to all of a sudden this flood of a thought that I don't know where I am. And it's amazing then how disoriented everything becomes. I mean, literally one step before everything, I mean, trees didn't look that scary and the darkness, you know, like, you know, it's not that big a deal. Then this step, just one step removed or whatever, all of a sudden the world is closing in. And like, you know, you're starting to hear things. All of your like sympathetic nervous system is just like on full alarm. And you're just like, you know, taking it all in. God knows what we're like. He knows that that's exactly how we can be. And by his grace, eternally, I mean, like, you know, like his word is written down and it's been preserved for 2000 years. It's amazing. And even as we turn to Psalm 23, we know that it goes back even further than that. These truths about he, who he is that anchor us in those moments as we all of a sudden find ourselves not lost in the woods, but kind of lost in life in full panic mode of like, oh my gosh, how is this gonna work out? Uh, and, and, and your mind is just racing with the what ifs and the contingencies and how am I gonna fix this and all that kind of stuff. We need Psalm 23. We need scripture fair, fed prayers. And a guy that, that I had heard in a couple of different settings was somebody named Daniel Hendrickson, and he had developed this scripture-fed praying model. And I, so I went into this little course to be able to learn a little bit more about it. And, and it was there in this, this organization called Strategic Renewal that I began to understand that some of the best praying that we can do as believers is not to close our Bibles and pray, but to open our Bibles and pray. And so that's my hope for us today is that we're going to see how we can open our Bibles. Each one of us on a regular basis, open our Bibles and begin to pray God's word, allowing it to be something that, 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 that generates the, the real expression of our hearts that we couldn't find on our own, but is exactly what we need to say and need to be reminded of.
So as we dive into Psalm 23, there's a few things that I want us to, to see that we need to know, okay? So like there's a few things that we just need to know as we go in. So as we read God's word, we read knowledgeably. We don't just read in an emotional sense, but we're engaging our mind as well as our emotions or our heart. And so what we need to remember as we go into Psalm 23 as an Old Testament passage is first of all this, Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. That's really, really, really key for our whole understanding of the entire Old Testament, but specifically when we enter into a space like Psalm 23. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. So in other words, this isn't even something that John thought about Jesus, but this is out of Jesus's mouth. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. And that's really significant that he is identifying himself as the good shepherd because the Old Testament is replete with illustrations of shepherds. I mean, it was even a young shepherd that God recruited out of the fields to serve as a king, that, 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 that Jesus would ultimately come from that Davidic king line. It's important for us to see that God himself back in the Old Testament said that I myself will come and shepherd my sheep. In Ezekiel 34, he's made these promises about what kind of shepherd he's going to be. And then here in this passage, we read the Lord is my shepherd. And you and I among all of creation can say those words because we are in Jesus Christ. We can say with full certainty, without any shred of doubt, because Jesus is our shepherd. But he reminds us the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you're here today and you never have really understood that it's not just about trusting Jesus from afar and trusting his life as a good example, but understanding that he laid down his life for the sheep, you and me, we're the sheep. He gave himself on a cross. That's why we have these symbols in rooms like this to remind us that the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He died for your sins and for mine. The Bible says that he was then buried and for three days he was in the grave, but then God to show that the shepherd had saved the sheep, raised him from the grave. And he was seen by many witnesses that then ascended into heavens with the promise that one day he will return. And it is that return that Peter speaks of when he says that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears, 1 Peter 5, 4, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. It's important for us to remember that he wasn't just 2,000 years ago a shepherd among sheep but he remains the chief shepherd over all under shepherds, a guy like me who will one day return and will judge the living and the dead and will give to those who have trusted in his sacrifice, in his righteousness, in what he accomplished that you could not for you that will receive an unfading crown of glory. We need to know that Jesus is our shepherd. Second, we need to know that we are desperate for reminders of truth. 
This is why these things are written down. This is why God in his grace has preserved his word for thousands of years is because we are in constant need of reminder. We're in constant need. That's why it's so good to come back to the Psalms and the Psalm like this one and repeat it to yourself again and again and again because you and I need these reminders. We need the reminder that the Lord is your shepherd. You have what you need. You need the reminder that the Lord, the Lord renews your life. You're spending millions and billions of dollars to be renewed and rejuvenated and all of these things when it is the Lord who renews your life. It is the Lord who intends to lead you along right paths for his name's sake. He wants your life to go the right way. He has an intention for your life, a blueprint for how he wants your life to look. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And the Lord prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. This is the reminders. These are the things that Psalm 23 is communicating to you and to me that we so desperately need to be reminded of because we are desperate constantly for reminders of truth. The third thing that we need to know about this, and I realize I might step on a little, few toes in this moment because of the culture that we live in today, is sheep weren't pets. Sheep weren't pets. That's a real important distinction for us today. Now, this is not meant to just be a drive-by moment where I you know, pop off a few shots, you know, cheap shots at a few people that really love their pets. But it is to say that in this psalm, inherit in it, that we miss, because none of y'all are shepherds that I know of. I don't know that any of you have like sheep at home or anything like that. And if you did, it'd be a pet, all right? I'm just gonna tell you. And so we would still probably miss the point here. Inherent in this psalm is that there's a big difference between shepherds and the shepherd and sheep. There is a reverence and a respect that sheep have for the shepherd. The shepherd is other than the sheep. And that's a real important for distinction for us to understand is that God is higher than us. I mean, this psalm in a way that while it's ushering comfort, it's also building up distinction, really a reverence. And sometimes when that reverence, that chasm between us and God is diminished, we say, well, yeah, well, that's his love and that's his kindness and that's all of these things bringing us closer and closer to him. Sometimes we need the reminder that there is a chasm between what it means to be human and what it means for God to be God. We are humans and he is God and yet he has chosen to care for us. It's an amazing thing, right? That a shepherd would lay down his life for sheep. You say, did they really do that? David really fought wild animals in order to fight, to defend the sheep. I question that judgment, right? You know, I'm thinking, they're just animals. I'm like, you know, like if it comes down to me or a, a sheep, I'm like, if it's just the animal, then take the animal. Don't take the person. But there is something about the heart of these shepherds. And there's something about the heart of God that condescends, comes down low and gets so close 
and cares so deeply that it's meant to set us in awe. You see, I've watched shepherds. I've gone to countries like Lesotho and I've seen how they live for months at a time out in the fields with the animals, how they care for them, how they protect them, how they correct them and all of these things. And there is much for shepherds like me and under shepherd to learn from shepherding even today and shepherding from long ago. But can I, I can promise you this though, there's far more me, for me to learn about shepherding from the Lord because he is also my shepherd and he's your shepherd. And the way that he shepherds us is perfect. Not every shepherd that we look at in Lesotho is doing it just right. But the Lord provides all that I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Comfort. That transitions us into what we need to feel from this passage. Did you know that God created your emotions? That that's a part of you that mom and dad didn't have to like train you to say, well, you need to feel anger sometimes. No, that comes hardwired. And we all know it if you have children. That you don't, you know, you don't have to be trained to go through these real highs and lows and happy and sad and, and indignant and jealous and, you know, and all of these things. Now, sometimes we have to be trained that it's, you have to be happy for your sibling when they get something, even if you don't. We have to be trained in those ways. But emotions are something that God has given us and, and he desires to redeem in us. When, when, when Jesus Christ gave himself for you, he wanted you full package. Heart, mind, body, soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's important for us to understand that God desires to redeem every aspect of who you are. Everything, including your emotions. And so there are emotions, feelings, and experience that we are being invited into by his word. And it's first of all this, comfort. Verse four, they comfort me. I have what I need. Verse one. But there's an anchor point, right? It's not just a, a superficial, we're just trying to fabricate feelings, feeling of comfort. It is a comfort that is anchored to the providence of God, that God is in control of all things. Guess where the sheep would end up if they decided where to go? Probably not green pastures. They'd probably be dinner rather than eating dinner. And that's, that would be the nature of the sheep. But God, in perfect control of all things, is leading the sheep and providing what they need. He's giving them food to eat and waters to drink and leading them in right paths, but for his namesake. B.B. Warfield says it this way, a firm faith in the universal providence of God is the solution of all earthly problems. It is almost equally true that a clear and full apprehension of the universal providence of God is the solution to most theological problems. You see, our comfort comes from knowing that he is in control of all things, that he is able to provide what we need in every moment of life. 
That's where the comfort comes. I mean, it even comes when it says, I go through the darkest valley, which then gives spirit to courage. This is what we're also supposed to feel, not only comfort, but courage. I fear no danger. You see, courage is anchored in the power of God. If he's, if he's over all things, if he has control over all things in our life and he's desiring to lead us into good paths for his namesake, then we believe that we serve and worship a powerful God. But we often see that power most clearly on display in moments of missions. Hudson Taylor, historic missionary to Asia, many Christians, he said, estimate difficulty in the light of their own resources and thus they attempt very little and they always fail. But all giants, speaking of spiritual giants, have been weak men, weak, who did great things for God because they reckoned that means they, they, they were counting on his power and his presence to be with them. That's what it looks like when, when brothers and sisters say, I'll go, and they go to the other side of the world. I mean, you just heard it from Scott Belmore saying, I've been exhausted. That's admitting weakness. I've been discouraged. That's admitting weakness. of being maybe, you know, um, let down. That's admitting weakness. But it is in weakness that his power is perfected. It's where it is put on display, where God shows off is in our weakness. And it was these men and women who often become the illustration of what is to be true in all of our lives, that it is in that point of weakness in your own life where God is wanting to show off and to be on display. God desires to receive great glory in your life and in mine. He wants to show his power, but that's going to be most clearly seen in our weakness, not as a rival to our own power. Third, what we need to feel from this passage is comfort and courage, but then confidence. Notice how it ends. I will dwell. Confidence anchored to the promises of God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an assurance. What an assurance. As I went to visit Miss Shirley Williams last Sunday, I had the chance to to meet her youngest daughter, Nancy, and then to be able to, to read Psalm 23 over her. She would die just a few hours later that evening. But as I read this psalm to her, as I knelt down beside her bed, there was a moment when I got to hear only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Miss Shirley was no longer responding in that moment. But in that moment, you could say, well, yeah, that's just a coincidence or whatever. It was as though she tried to, to, to come out of, of the state that she was in and, and kind of turn toward me. It was something about reading this psalm that that seemed to to speak to her even still in these moments as she would transition. And can I tell you, that situation, that moment of reading this passage to people in the moments that they are about to die is not rare. It's one of the great privileges of being a pastor is to be with people in those moments. Sure, it's weighty and difficult, 
Sure, sometimes it, it, it's, it's not anything that you want to remember all the details of, but it is a sacred thing to be in the presence of God as he receives his saints into his kingdom. And again and again and again, they have found comfort in these words. Not just something read at their funeral. No, something read in those final moments of their life that remind them that they're leaving this room to enter an eternal room. Jesus said, if I leave you, it's to go to my father's house and prepare a room for you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you see how Jesus, the good shepherd, is bringing all these things together? How, how he's perfectly shepherding us toward this reality so that in this life, we do not despair. So that in this life, we have hope that even though we may cease to live in this life, our heart may stop beating. That there is for us a room prepared. There is for us a place in the Father's house forever and ever and ever. Jesus is our shepherd. We're desperate for these truths and these reminders. And we are comforted because we have what we need. We take courage because we do not have to fear danger in the face of even the most dark valley. And we have confidence because we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as a result, here's what we're called to do. We're called to pray. This is written as a prayer. This is written as a prayer, David reminding himself of the truths of God and doing so in a humble way that celebrated the nature of God and the transition that would one day be his into the presence of the Lord. We're called to pray scripture-fed prayers personally, and we're called to pray scripture-fed prayers petitionally. And to help you with that this week, because we're about to enter into a moment of prayer, but listen, it's not supposed to stop here. That's not the goal. Instead, we wanna resource you. This is a prayer guide that we have printed editions of, but if you'll look on the back of the worship guide that you received when you came in this morning, there's a QR code, and it takes you to the digital of this that that you can have with you all week on your phone. And what it gives you are prompts. And so you may wanna go to it right now, literally pull out your phone in this moment as we enter into this time of prayer. To be able to use this resource, you'll go to the fourth page where it says Psalm 23, And what it does is it walks you through this passage with with prayer prompts like this. You are the good shepherd and cared for me when dot, dot, dot. You see how you can just praise the Lord for his faithfulness. I praise you, Lord, when I needed dot, dot, dot. You were my provider. I praise you for leading me to dot, 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 when I dot, dot, dot. I mean, it's allowing you these prompts. In other words, it's a you complete the sentence activity because sometimes our minds are prone to wonder and we need these sort of tools to help assist us in praying. But in this moment, as the worship team comes forward to lead us in this time of prayer and to worship, we're gonna spend time praying praying on our knees, praying at our seats, just spending time in prayer. And as you conclude this time of prayer, when you're done praying, you can just stand to your feet and join with the praise team as we sing these songs of worship. But what we're trying to do is to create a culture where during this time in response to God's word, we respond in prayer. 
We respond in worship. We feel the freedom in this room to move and to leave our seats and to literally come down here and to spend time worshiping the God because, because we've not just gathered in this room to hear from Chad or, or to, to, to be led by Nate. We have come to meet with God, to worship him because he is the good shepherd. So in this moment, as I open us in prayer, you feel the freedom to leave your seat and to join me here on these steps in prayer. God, in these moments, we ask, Lord, that you would meet with us by your grace. Because, God, together we say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. God, you're the one that leads us beside still waters. You lead us into green pastures. You renew our lives. God, you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, even when we walk through the darkest valley, we don't have to fear evil for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. So Lord, in this moment, would you meet us in your word, in prayer, as we worship you. You respond now as God leads.